to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day Post Game Reaction Podcast. I'm Sats Mundine here with Leba's Legacy. How's it going, everyone? And we are going to wrap up the Leafs' division clinching win over the Montreal Canadiens tonight. Now, before we get started, I do just want to apologize. We had an issue with our normal podcast record podcast recorder tonight. We uh, we recorded the first 27 minutes of this, and then it, it cut them out. It won't let us back in, so we're recording this on Zoom. So tonight's sound quality may not be as good as normal, but Hopefully it sounds all right. Now let's get right into the game. The Leafs got their goals from Pierre Engvall, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner, while the Habs got their goals from Brett Kulak and Nick Suzuki. Now, what did you think of tonight's clash, Lebda? Yeah, this is another example of how much better the Toronto Maple Leafs are than the Montreal Canadiens. So if we look at the Leafs game, they sucked in the first period, weren't fantastic in the second, but they played really good for bits and parts of the kind of the second, scored three goals, and then just shut the rest of the game down. So, you know, as we're looking at the Leafs standpoint, the Leafs probably played at, you know, 50, 60% what they're capable of. And they still really dominated the Montreal Canadiens and got the win. So with that being said, deserve to win a meter at 72% for the Leafs. Uh, possession numbers at 51%, expected goals at 62%, and high danger Corsi 4 at 56% for the Leafs. So again, just highlighting what I said before, just a dominant performance from the Leafs on a night where they really were not that good. And this is why I have so much confidence in a series versus the Montreal Canadiens. They they were handed this game on a platter in the first period. The Leafs decided to wait till the second to show up. And all Montreal was able to do was score one measly goal off a weak point shot. Like, they just don't have the skill to take advantage. If If, if a team shows up to a period like that against the Leafs, you see exactly what happened on Thursday night. The Leafs are going to be up 3 nothing, 4 nothing, something like that. The Montreal Canadiens just don't have the talent and the capability to take advantage of those things. Now, I know you could say, well, they're missing Gallagher, they're missing Dano, they're missing Weber, but those are, those are good players, don't get me wrong, but your team should not fall apart so, so poorly as the Habs have without Gallagher. Yeah, I think Gallagher is the only one that's going to make a real impact coming back for the Montreal Canadiens. Shea Weber, at this point in his career, like he might make a small impact. He'll take up a bunch of minutes, but he's not the difference maker that maybe he once was. And certainly not the type of difference maker for the Habs that um, Brandon Gallagher is. Like Gallagher really is their kind of heartbeat, their heart and soul, a guy that really drives play and can make a pretty good first line with Deneau and Tatar. So yeah, without him, they are missing a bunch. But again, Brendan Gallagher coming back is not going to close the gap between the Habs and the Leafs. Especially when you consider that we're getting Hyman and Felino back too. These Obviously, the, the Habs, like we said last podcast, their best route to beating the Leafs is to have Tatar, Deneau, and Gallagher play as that first line, all of them be healthy. And to be honest, they're going to have to play the Matthews line to even because even if you look at lines two through four, the Leafs are just better than them. So... It's it's not looking good for the Canadians. If we've said it, Gallagher's coming off a wrist injury. People don't come back from that and fire on all cylinders right away. Dano, hopefully he's back for the playoffs. He suffered a concussion. 
even that, that can have lingering effects on a guy. You definitely hope it doesn't because head injuries are so serious, but that first line is compromised. And if they're even clicking at 85, 90%, they are just going to get roasted and toasted by that first line of the Leafs. Oh, if, if Brandon Gallagher doesn't come back at absolutely a hundred percent, they're, they're done. Like they just don't have the firepower to keep up with the Leafs. And, and especially without one of their better players, it's just going to be so, so difficult for them. Especially like, yeah, sure, Brandon Gallagher is a good player too, but he doesn't have the shooting talent either. And especially coming back with a wrist injury, the shooting talent that, or the limited shooting talent that he did have coming back with a wrist injury, like, man, it's just not, not looking good for the Habs right now. They're going to need a heroic performance in net. And that was the one area of concern that you kind of had for the Leafs you know, coming into the season, at least midway through when Fred was struggling. But if you just look by the numbers, Jack Campbell, 924 coming into tonight, Jake Allen, 909, Carey Price and Frederick Anderson, both washed up goalies at this point, equally, equally as much of a toss up. So if you're saying anything about goaltending, you're going to slant that to the least favor. And so they just, it's going to take a miracle for the halves right now. I'm I'm calling it. I'm just going to say it. At least in five, unless something insane happens. See, my my brain says the exact same thing. Anytime I think about this series or look at it or analyze it, the Leafs have this one really in a bag. There's only that, you know, the Leafs of the past kind of coming back. But at the same time, how many times have you and me on this podcast said, this is a different Leafs team. Hey, they're shutting down leads. You know, they're they're doing these things that they weren't doing in the past. Their defense is so much better than anything they've had in the past. And realistically, like we said it the other night, like the first couple of series lost by the Leafs, they were playing fantastic teams. Now they're the dominant team. And I just don't see this team having the hiccups like teams did in the past. You said it best. It's it's the brain that tells you they're going to be good. The heart of a lot of Leaf fans is scaring them right now because we are the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if you were just a third-party outsider and this series were the Colorado Avalanche versus the Nashville Predators, you'd be like, Nashville has no chance. Like, and that's the kind of gap that is between the Leafs and the Canadians right now. There's just such a deficit in talent on the Canadians end that it's going to take something spectacular to happen. Now it is hockey. Random things do happen. You know, AHL, an AHL goalie could be a 950 NHL goalie for a seven game stretch. Literally anything can happen, but the Canadians just need 50 or 60 things to go right for them to have any chance in this series. I am... I am not going to join my fellow Leafs brethren in being irrationally scared just because of the history of this team. Because if you think about it, sure, was 2013 an absolute train wreck, a travesty, a complete disaster? Yes. Were any of those guys on that team, on this team now? No. You look at the first three playoff series losses. You lost to Washington. That was a series against one of the top three teams in the NHL. The next two years, you lost to Boston. You pushed them to the absolute brink. Boston ends up going to the cup final and... If Mike, stupid Mike Babcock wasn't the coach, we'd probably win that series. So those, up until last year, there were, there was no reason to really call the Leafs a team that folded in the playoffs. And then even last year, you look at Columbus, should they have beaten them? Absolutely. But you look at that defense core in game five, we've talked about it before. I genuinely think if Jake Muzzin doesn't get that dirty ass hit from Pierre-Luc Dubois, we beat Columbus in four. So this team is just, they're so much more well-equipped to 
to take advantage of a series in which they're favored with Matthews and Marner reaching another level with Muzzin being healthy with Brody instead of freaking Kakapipi Cody CC. I mean, let's just, let's just turn up the confidence meter, Levda. Hey man, you've, uh, you've done a great, great job of just pumping those tires for me. Just, Hey man, be confident, be confident in this team. This team's different. I think I'm more of a little bit of a Debbie Downer get into the history or kind of, yeah, the Maple Leafs a little bit more and read into it where you're a little bit more level-headed and you're just, you know, there to keep me calm. And now you're really, really getting me hyped up for the playoffs now. Now getting into the game itself, like we said, piss, piss poor start for the Leafs. They just looked like they were skating in mud. Um, but the Habs, they weren't taking too much advantage. Now they did get an early goal off a of Brett Kulak point shot. Not really anything spectacular. Just, just kind of screens found its way through the back of the net. Yeah. One of those ones where you're not really going to fault the Leafs defense on the play. They did a pretty good job, left the Habs to a point shot. Now, if you're being a super hyper, hyper critical, maybe, Hey, clear some of the guys out in front of the net, get some of that rid of some of that traffic so jack campbell can see but again that's being so critical that it's just ridiculous at this point and same thing for jack campbell like hey it's a wrist shot from the point but there's so much traffic he can't see it finds a way through it's hockey it is what it is but again i i just don't see the point in faulting any of the leafs for that one no and and the canadians weren't able to take advantage beyond that and in the rest of the period even though they had outshot attempted us 20 to 9 we went into the second period one nothing down, and then they were able to quickly double down on their lead through a two-on-one goal from Nick Suzuki. Yeah, again, one of those ones where maybe that Jake Muzzin pinch is a little bit questionable, but Jake Muzzin certainly gets the benefit of the doubt with how well he's played this year and how good of a defender he is. Again, if you're being hypocritical, you probably point that out. If I'm a Leafs coach, I probably point that out, being like, hey, not the time. But it goes down two-on-one. Suzuki's coming down on the wing. He does have another option, but that option's not really – looking like it's that great of a pass. So you're pretty much thinking Suzuki shot the whole way. He lets a little bit of a knuckleball kind of floater go, and it just finds a way through Campbell. Again, if we're being hypercritical, Jack Campbell probably needs to make that save. It's not a good goal on him. It goes right through him. But at the same time, like he's in a pretty good position. I say, you know, 9.8 times out of 10, he makes that save because it hits him. It's just this one time it just squeaked through him, unfortunately. And you look at Campbell's night as a whole, 21 saves on 23 shots, a 913 save percentage. He gave the Leafs exactly what they needed. It wasn't spectacular goaltending. They just needed somebody to hold down the fort, not let anything tragic in and keep it close so that their stars could quickly come back. And boy, did the stars come out because Pierre Engvall was able to make it a 2-1 game with a nice goal from very similar position to Kulak's. Hey, big Pierre Engvall, the biggest giraffe in the zoo. Let's go, baby. Giraffe. Giraffe, why is your neck so long? Man, I, again, <laughs> like Pierre Engvall, one of those guys really fighting for a bottom six spot, and boom, three goals in three games. This one's not the prettiest goal. The last one he scored wasn't the prettiest goal, but hey, a goal's a goal when you're Pierre Engvall. And when he, you know, he plays defense very well and he do, does those things, if he can start chipping in offensively, the Leafs have another great option in the bottom six. You said it. He's he's chipping in two goals his last two games, and uh, that line as a whole looked good tonight. Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and Engvall, they had 54% of the possession. They had 75% of the expected goals. So he was a guy who whose his position has been really tenuous on the in the lineup. He hasn't been he hasn't been part of Keith's plans lately, but hey, he's he's earning a spot. 
And I think the thing with Pierre Engvall is he's really pushing for that bottom six spot, like a number of other Leaf players. But I think with Pierre Engvall, he's probably not an everyday playoff player, an every series playoff player. But I think he does have a role in that bottom six in specific matchups, whether maybe, you know, he faced Edmonton in the second round. Connor McDavid, a guy who plays with a lot of speed. You have a Pierre Engvall who is a good skater, is good defensively, and is tall and has kind of a long reach. And maybe a good guy to take some pressure off the Leafs' top six against Connor McDavid on a shutdown role. Maybe Nick Foligno, maybe Riley Nash. Maybe this line with Mikheyev and Kerfoot. Who knows how that kind of combination goes together. Depends if you want Foligno in your top six or maybe Kerfoot in your top six or, or however it works. But I think Pierre Engvall does, you know, maybe not have a 100% role in the bottom six. But I think if the matchup allows it, Pierre Engvall can be a very effective player for the Leafs. Yeah, and, and we see it right now. There there are probably always going to be injuries on the team, so you just need depth guys to step up in case something goes wrong. Hyman out right now, Felino out right now, Nash, I know he's never played, but he's out right now. There's just going to be injuries, so it's it's good to have guys that you can at least trust to go out. And he he's a solid bottom six player where his problem is that he's usually not going to contribute on the offensive end like he did tonight, but he's always usually quite reliable defensively. Now we've done enough uh, reminiscing of of the joys of our bottom six. Let's get into the big boys who really uh, started to make stuff happen later on in that second period. I like them big. I like them chunky. Boy, oh boy, do these two beautiful, beautiful men have a ton of it. William Nylander and John Tavares doing what both those guys do well once again. A great, great play by John Tavares. He gets a pass in the slot, just a little tip pass over to William Nylander and for a guy who stays on the outside his entire career and can't take a hit, boy, does William Nylander score a lot of goals from in front of that net. Net front Nylander, baby. That narrative can go die. He is, if you change his name to William Nelson, he would be everybody's favorite player. But because he's William Nylander, he's a sexy Swede. People don't always like him as much as they should. But but people who actually look at the stats, you look where his goals come from, you'll see this man, this man is not afraid to muck it up. No, and I think with the, all the things William Nealander does get criticized a lot for, he's actually quite good at. He is good on the forecheck. He is good on those kind of puck battles where he just like lifts a guy's stick or just gets enough of it in the way to poke the puck away and transition it into offense. Even on the back check, William Nealander's, you know, maybe he doesn't do it 100 times out of 100, but when he does, he, he is an effective back checker and good at taking the puck away in the neutral zone or just in the leaf zone. So I think all those kind of mainstream media narratives, they just need to end for William Nylander. Because when I watch this guy play hockey, it's just, it's such a treat to watch a guy with that much skill who is kind of sneakily good at some of those little aspects of the game. Yeah, if, if you're not a Nylander fan, I really do encourage you to actually watch him play. Just say for a game, maybe not in the playoffs because you want to watch the whole thing, but just one of these times, just watch him along the boards, watch the effort he gives in. Sure, you can say he doesn't give it on the back check every time, but I promise you, I promise you, you could find tape on any player in the NHL. I bet you Patrice Bergeron has plays where he doesn't back check, but it just so happens that he's the guy that that Sportsnet and TSN have chosen that they want to, you know, highlight every mistake he's ever made in his career. So it's just given so many fans such a such a poor view of of an excellent player. 
Dude, I always think of this. Like, think of Josh Anderson from the Habs. He's a big physical player. He always tries hard. You know, he's a power forward, blah, 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 blah. Look at that one play way back in the earlier season on three and three where it looks like his Xbox controller died and he just coasts back into the zone and plays not a lick of defense. Like, imagine if William Nylander did that. It's all just narratives that were made up in either the rookie season or people are just jealous of how nice Nylander's hair is, so they just have to pinpoint every little thing he does. But, yeah, it's time for those narratives to die. William Nylander is a special player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, maybe he's not an awesome Matthews or Mitch Marner, but, hey, there's maybe a handful of guys who are in this league. Like, it's it's time for people to realize how good William Nylander is. Now, I'm glad you brought up Josh Anderson because I, I, you know, after beating them again, I am feeling a bit slanderous to the Habs. So it would be nice to just let me pull up some stats on Josh Anderson. So tonight, 30% expected goals. Beast. You know, just, I, but, but the real cherry on top, zero points in his last 10 games. Now, I don't know. That's not very good. People, you know, there's, I guarantee you that all those Leaf fans that say they don't like Nylander, like, I'd love to have a guy like Josh Anderson. Would you? Would, would you, you like Josh really? Anderson? I'm because I'm pretty sure William Nylander has seven points or a seven game point streak right now. And Josh Anderson hasn't scored in a long time. But hey, Josh Anderson has 100 more hits than Nylander, so he must be the better player, right? And it, it, it's lazy analysis. It's old school analysis. It's people that haven't actually learned the game. They played the game back in the day. So, hey, maybe they know a few things about the in and outs of the dressing room and little things like that more than, you know, me and you do. But at the same time, these guys clearly do not actually understand how hockey works and what actually makes, you know, teams good or players good. And speaking of uh, good players playing good, Mitch Marner, what a snipe from that guy. Mitchy magic, Mitchy magic. Hey, what a play by Mitch Marner. For a guy who gets criticized on, on kind of his shooting and having a bit of a muffin, boy, did he snipe one tonight. And that goal tonight, I believe, moved him fourth in even strength goals on the year. So, again, for a guy who's... In the NHL. In the NHL. So for a guy who's only a passer, man, is he pretty, pretty good at scoring goals this year. And again, it's just, it's just so fun to watch him and Matthews. Typically it is Marner making a nice play, nice pass to Matthews, but this time it's a little roll reversal. Matthews wins a face off. Boom. Right to Marner snipe right off the draw. Thank you very much, Mitchell. I know we probably say it too much, but I don't think you can say it enough. We are just so blessed to be able to watch these guys every night and, I hope all of my fellow Leaf fans appreciate it because not only are they excellent players from a production standpoint, but they are just such a pleasure to watch. Like the way, the way that Mitch Marner goes about getting his assists. I know he, tonight he didn't even have any assists, but just I like just the stuff he tries. He's just so shifty. He weaves with the puck. It's just so fun to see, and it's it's not a Joe Thornton hundred assist season where it's like you know, just kind of working his booty on the boards, find a nice pass into the slot. It's like Mitch Marner is like walking a tightrope to get those assists. And I just can't wait to watch it for the next four plus years. I think I might be first in line a little bit or definitely this year for sure, where I haven't enjoyed the season as much. I'm just so worried about the Leafs kind of folding or collapsing or not being as good as I think they are in my mind or hope they can be that I haven't really sat back and enjoyed how special it is to have Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander. Man, throw Zach Hyman in this year. Morgan Riley's been okay this year. Jake Muzzin, fantastic defender. TJ Brody. Like The list goes on and on. This team is so, so fun to watch. It's such a good 
well-built team that man oh man do i hope they can uh keep this season's play up in the playoffs now speaking of being a completely newly built team the Leafs were able to do something that Leafs have passed can't do couldn't do but that they have shown an excellent ability to do and that is shut the game down in the third period so they they came in with that 3-2 lead they held the Canadians to one high danger chance in that third period they just they just locked the door and they said no 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 we see it again not the best Leafs game. We're not saying that the Leafs, you know, were amazing tonight because they weren't. They really did not reach the highs that they can. But again, they've clinched a playoff spot. They're pretty much a lock even before tonight to clinch the division. They clinched the division with the win. So you do understand maybe how their intensity isn't that. Maybe they were a little bit worried about getting hurt, whatever. But we see once again a highlight. This team is different defensively. They get the three goals in the second period. Boom. They're ready to roll. And then they just absolutely lock the Canadians down. Now, part of that is Montreal Canadiens not being a good offensive team. But again, it doesn't only happen versus the Canadians. This Leafs team is genuinely really good at shutting teams out in the third period. Maybe it's not always on the scoreboard, but man, do they limit those chances. Yeah, and you look at the slow start that they had. The the Canadians out, out-attempted them 20-9 to in the first period, and the game ended up in the Leafs' favor 47-46. So... They were able to overcome that first period. I don't know if maybe Keith said something to them between periods for them to wake up or something, but they they woke up and they just, like you said, didn't have their best effort, but they just took control of the game and they did what needed to be done. And that's just the way this team feels. They they can do what they have to do. They're not they're not a team that I'm scared is going to fold under pressure. That's gonna that's gonna cave in because they are they are their stars are more veteran. They have more experience, and then they've just they've just implemented so many other different guys that, that are so savvy. And so, you know, they're not going to lose their heads in, in stressful situations. So this team is just a scary, scary proposition in the playoffs. Lebda. I would not want to face this team at all. Would not want to face them. And for our stars of the game tonight, I've decided I'm going to take the mantle. I'm going to steal the, the obvious choice. And that is Melman. I, I mean, Pierre Engvall. Oh, giraffe. Engvall had a great game tonight. We talked about him earlier. He was second on the team with a 77% expected goals tonight. He got a goal and he just, he looked good. You could see his speed through the neutral zone. We all know he's not the most gifted offensive player, but he's a pretty, he's a pretty reliable guy in his own end. And his speed is, is always going to be an asset in the NHL. I really like Pierre Engvall. I really wish he did produce a little bit more offensive or offense or drive the play offensively a little bit more. Cause I think with his size and his speed and his skating ability, and there's just so many things that he can potentially do that if he could, you know, pick up that offense a little bit, he'd be a really, really nice player for the Leafs. I mean, he is still a pretty effective bottom six guy defensively for sure. So yeah, him producing these goals in the last three games is just, you know, added a nice little check mark beside his name for me. Now, who do you got, Lebda? So I think this was a pretty obvious one for me, and I'm going to give it to old uh, country boy Jake Muzzin. Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can't have. Early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country Just a, a fantastic night for him and Hall. Justin Hall probably could have got it as well. Uh, 69% expected goals for the pair. Uh, <laughs> nice. Um, nice. One, one assist both. Um, for them, Muzzin got the puck to Tavares for that William Nylander goal. 
And th- this game really was about uh, kind of shutting down the Montreal Canadiens. So I think giving it to a defenseman and Jake Muzzin, I think was the best Leafs defenseman on the night. Well, you know, I'm always down to give it to Muzzin because he's, he's my favorite defenseman. He's just, he is the prototypical current day NHL defenseman. Good with the puck, not flashy, very solid defensively, just a smart player and an absolute treasure to have on our team. Great trade by Kyle Dubas. One of Kyle Dubas's finest trades, to be honest. Yeah, I gave up a late first and, and two middling prospects for an un, unquestionable top pairing level defenseman. Yeah, and 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 like you said, Jake Muzzin is the ideal NHL defenseman. Like he's people talk about him like he's a very good defenseman, and he is, but he is vastly underrated in my opinion. Like how impactful Jake Muzzin is for this team is just insane for how little kind of respect he gets in the kind of broad hockey market or world yeah i don't think his skill is respected enough to be honest i think too many people want to put him in that class of uh like a ben Sherratt, where it's like a you know a tough guy or a luke shen type style bagosian kind of thing like obviously a better version but he's a lot more than that he can make some nice plays with the puck ben Sherratt is like horrible offensively those but he's not in that mold of defenseman he is not a stay-at-home defenseman he's a two-way defenseman now, with that said, Lebda, did you have any final thoughts on tonight's game? I don't really have anything on the game. I think we made our point pretty clear. Not the Leafs' greatest night. Their skill took over. Highlights the difference between them and the Montreal Canadiens once again. Now, I think a good thing to maybe get into is Frederick Anderson's uh, kind of AHL game today. Yeah, Freddie had his second game. Uh, first game he played, he allowed two goals on 14 shots. Not his best game, obviously. He's going to be rusty, whatever. Um, today... Not much better, but he did play. He did play a lot more. He t- he faced thirty eight shots, stopped thirty four of them. So another sub nine hundred save percentage performance. I think he has about closed the door on. Although anybody who is realistic didn't see it happening, but he has closed the door on him being the game one starter for the Leafs. The only way he had to that was was to play out of his mind with the Marlies come up for a, Le- a game with the Leafs and and play well. Now, I. Certainly think he still has a very, very good shot of being our backup goalie for game one of the playoffs. But at this point, he certainly hasn't done anything to instill additional confidence in him right now. Yeah, man, I think Freddie Anderson is toast. I think like, I just think he's done being and maybe not an NHL goalie, but he's done being a good one. Like clearly those injuries have caught up to him. He's not the goalie who was a couple years ago. I'll put it this way. If we go to Fred Anderson in the playoffs, one, I'm going to be absolutely terrified. And two, things have gone very, very poorly. Because I know know he's coming off an injury. I know it's only two starts in the AHL. But he's put up two games below 900 save percentage. Like, it's just just not what you wanted to see from Fred Anderson. It it is kind of – I don't even want to say sad to see, but it's just unfortunate for him personally. Well, yeah, if if he hops into a playoff game, like – my butt cheeks are going to be tighter than like a one inch elastic. It's, it's going to be scary. Now I think it is kind of sad though, because for so many years, for the first three years, he was such a great goalie for us. And he did like, he was playing behind a porous defense a lot of those years and he bailed the Leafs out. It's just too bad that when we finally have a team with a solid defense that can, that can support him, that's when he falls. And I mean, he's 31 He's had, he had that injury in 2019. He hasn't been the same. I think certainly for right now, um, it's probably not going to happen with the Leafs this year. I, I hope for his sake that, that he is able to land somewhere and maybe 
maybe with a full summer off, he is able to fully recover that groin. But you've seen it with with guys like Carey Price. It, like once a goalie loses it, it's very hard to get it back. It's not like it's not like they're just it's just an effort thing or something. It's if your groin goes, if if a part of your lower body goes as a goalie, that's just the way it is. I don't care what your pedigree is. I don't care how mentally tough you are. It's just hard to come back from. Yeah, goalie goalies are already voodoo. So when you add injuries that limit their ability to move. It's just so detrimental to the way they play. It's just so, so tough for goalies to come back from injuries to their lower body. We've seen countless examples, and I think Frederick Anderson is just, you know, injuries caught up to him. It is what it is. He's just not not really – I don't even know if he's an NHL-caliber goalie anymore. Maybe, maybe he can, you know, take a summer off and completely rehab and come back next year with a different team and prove me wrong. But at this point, I just think, hey, sorry, Fred, you had a decent career, but – you're just not really looking up to it at all anymore. I think if he uh, if he plays another game with the Marlies and he has a good showing, I probably I probably would give him a shot to be the backup over Riddick, just because you know he has done it before. You ne- you never know, right? You never fully know. Riddick does scare the piss out of me after that game against Vancouver. But honestly, both of those guys, you're you're just throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks. Yeah, the Leafs are really, really banking on, you know, Jack Campbell keeping up the play. But at least we have two NHL quality backups that we can throw another dart at the board if we need to. Now, on to some positive injury news. Uh, Sheldon Keith did say before the game that uh, Riley Nash and Zach Hyman are both progressing really well. So it'd be really good to be able to see those two get a game in before the playoffs and kind of get their legs under them yeah another you know great example of the Leafs depth in the bottom six it'd be fantastic to get Riley Nash as an addition see what he maybe can offer get him back up to game speed he's been uh, injured a while and you know injuries sometimes take time for them to get back up to game speed so if he can get a game or two next week it'd just be really really nice for Riley Nash personally but also for Sheldon Keefe to you know take a look at him one-on-one and you know, see or highlight again what he can offer to the Leafs bottom six. Yeah. And for Zach Hyman too, it's, we said it with Gallagher. It's not, it's not exactly like it's a hands thing like Gallagher where it could affect his scoring as much, but an MCL injury, you're coming off a leg injury. It would probably be nice to get him, get him in at full speed. It is, it is probably an injury where I do feel a little bit better him coming off of that than, than something in his hand or his wrist or something. But still, Zach Hyman is a, is a speed player. He's a, plays with tenacity so you just hope that that leg is fully recovered and they did say it was a two-week injury I think I think that if if these last couple games were playoffs he he probably would have been in already the man played with a torn ACL yeah I I think Zach Hyman's just making sure he's absolutely 110 percent I think like you said if it was the playoffs we'd probably see him a little bit quicker but no need to rush him now give him as much time as he needs to be absolutely 100 percent because the Leafs are planning on making a deep run and Zach Hyman's going to be a big part of that Absolutely. Now, with tonight's win, like we said, the Leafs were able to clinch the North Division. There's only two games left. They have 76 points in 54 games. So uh, we did see with that Habs loss, they are still two points behind Winnipeg, who lost to Ottawa tonight. So I guess the door is still open on that one. They have three games left. Uh, I think two are against Vancouver, and then the last one's against Toronto, while the Canadians play two more against Edmonton. So Montreal would need to get three points out of those last two games. And then Winnipeg would have to lose out for, for Montreal to pass them. So 
it is still looking pretty set in stone that we have that Canadians matchup. And honestly, baby, I am ready for it. Bring me the playoffs. And with that being said, that pretty much wraps it up for us here tonight. I will uh, kind of, we did, you know, try and record one on our earlier or on our normal podcast um, recording software. It was glitching up. So we had to use zoom. So if this, this is the first podcast you are listening to know that this isn't the tip of quality, I'll try and get it as best as I can. But again, zoom is limited in that stuff. We typically re- record on a higher level software. So just a little tidbit of that. Now, if you did enjoy, you know, the content of the podcast, please uh, share us, share us, give us a like, uh, give us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you uh, do watch the podcast. Also check out our Twitter and YouTube pages. We have videos and clips of the podcast uh, going up on there pretty much every day after we upload the podcast. Twitter again, live tweets during Leaf games, let you know when the podcast is out. And, uh, you know, thank you very much, everyone. But